This podcast explores explicit and adult-themed content. If discussions of sex or male bondage offend you, or if you are under the age of 18, you should not continue listening to this episode or future episodes of The Bondage Gaze. By continuing to listen, you acknowledge that you are at least 18 years old and aren't offended by discussions of male bondage, sex, pornography, or other kinds of content with sexual themes. Um, welcome back to the Bondage Gaze. I'm Nat. And I'm Sammy. And we're still joined by Barney. Hello, Hong Kong. Hi. Hi. Go throw a pineapple face too. Hell yeah. <laughs> Just kind of a side note, like on that, like with, with the other clown fetishist that I know, I remember him really, really being tickled by uh, the way you say clown in Spanish is payaso because the word pie is in it. <laughs> <laughs> So, would you like to tell us a bit more about your podcast, The Big Top? Yeah, sure. Uh, The Big Top. That's, uh, obviously, that's me. Yeah, right. We believe that. (laughs) It's not The Big Switch. (laughs) Well, that didn't have a pun. I think I shot myself in the foot by naming myself substandard Sammy. My content is Sammy, but I'm a Switch. And someone gave me grief for it one day. They're like, why would I listen to you? Your name isn't Dom Standard Sammy. (laughs) (sighs) Anyway, back to the big top and his podcast. Yeah, I well, I toyed with the title and I was like, I could get a way better pun out of this. And then I thought, well, Occam's razor, mate, just go simple. Circuses, big tops, done. Um, but yeah, on our second season now, and I say we, I am on my side. I do everything. <laughs> it is pretty much a one man, one man band. Yeah, so new episodes every Tuesday. We talk all things weird and niche and kink. Every week I get a guest on who is someone in the kink community who's doing something fabulous or strange or beautiful or wonderful and kind of the whole point really is like you know I'm I'm a clown fucker so whatever weird kink you have you know if I'm okay then you're okay too and I am so you know you can own it it's okay to be you and 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 embrace who you are so stuff like coming out kinky is a key thing I like to talk about because it's all at the end of the day about self-acceptance and that was the biggest journey for me and only when I did that did I then realize how much kink meant to me and how much I wanted to make this, you know, my whole life. And yeah, so, you know, we get dark sometimes. We talk about things like, you know, mental health, abuse, these kind of things unfortunately crop up a lot because kinky people and queer people in general, we tend to come from backgrounds that aren't always the most conducive to blossoming into healthy people. But that's why I really wanted to do this thing where I could show people you're not the weirdest person in the world. And I always like to end on a positive, you know, to do that. And to that end, my motto is, you know, nothing get said that we don't want shared everybody who comes on you know they don't have to use their real name and we talk about whatever they want to talk about it's far more about people's personal experiences than covering a topic and so anything like that that you know we don't want to share we just take out and it's actually really 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 fun to do (laughs) i I love my job so yeah i'm very very lucky to uh, do that Uh, and you can listen anywhere you like to listen apple Podcasts, stitcher spotify that is awesome it's very similar to us in the sense of it's more about the experiences less about the topics because you have such a goldmine of kinksters that have their own thoughts have their own experiences have their own desires we want to hear all about that yeah totally way more interested in people and because i guess it's also this is my 
version of going out or like you know i don't like events that are just loud music and a wall of bodies i like to sit down and talk to people and so this is also kind of like my way of getting to do the thing that i like to do socially it's like okay well we're gonna sit down and you have to talk to me now <laughs> well that's the thing the recording is the best part but then the editing is like oh you you, you sit and think oh is the recording really worth it when i have to do all this fucking editing well i say have to i choose to do all this editing i could just put out a mostly unedited podcast and people would be like oh fuck there's a lot of pauses but no one would complain well beyond the few complaints we've got in our first season hi the guys who called me the old one the old one i won't say where it's a forum that i'm still a fan of and th- look their opinions were valid they were like oh there's a lot of filler words a lot of giggling the old one admits to have never seen arsenic and old lace but it's like really the old one for the record we're a year apart and i'm a year younger but it's like you couldn't have called me the australian one yeah first of all what does that mean you have an old voice like why do they think you're the old one it's like that's what i talk about it's like okay so it's a, it's not a video podcast so nobody's even looking at us they're hearing our voices so the only things they have to compare us are our voices and one of us is american and the other one is australian why can't you distinguish us that way also if you're going to criticize someone for having not seen arsenic and old lace then either you are the old person or you're just extremely pretentious <laughs> either way you're the arsehole not that old people are arsehole okay it wasn't a criticism it was more just saying oh this is more for the younger members of this forum which is absolutely fine that wasn't a bad thing what they said but i did joke to that because we met we were talking about it the other day i said well to be fair i do sound kind of senile when i talk so maybe <laughs> they just thought i was some geriatric this is pre-covid brain so god i must be fucked now <laughs> yeah we all have aged dramatically in the short <laughs> span of the pandemic but yeah it's like so okay, getting back to uh, your podcast so i mean i would definitely like to check it out yeah it's like because it's like every kingster has like they we all have stories we all have experiences and things like that just being kingsters and just living in this world and everything and i mean so at the current moment right now that we're recording um the episodes that we're posting are from another podcaster um who um he's into feedism and everything and so that's what his podcast is centered on and i mean and it's funny because it's like now i'm kind of a regular listener of the podcast like you know at first i just kind of checked it out just because it's like okay well we've had him on the podcast he talked a little bit about his like let me at least you know hear an episode or two and then now i kind of just listen to it because it's like you know even though i'm not specifically into gaining or fetism or anything it's just really interesting to you know listen to you know these people's stories and whatever you know subject they cover and talk about and everything and you know it's just really interesting and fun and then plus uh, sammy and i are also going to be on that podcast eventually probably by the time this has gone out we will have appeared on there also a couple of you admitted to not doing your research now you didn't listen to barney's podcast and barney you admitted you didn't listen to ours (laughs) that is not true i tried to <laughs> listen to I listened to a bit to get a very specific bit of information. To be fair, I didn't listen to yours either, but I wouldn't have been the first one to admit it. <laughs> okay, I, I'm somebody that I don't care about spoilers. Like I would rather hear everything about a movie or TV show or something like that before I watch it. Like I don't care. Like I don't care about surprises. I don't need to be surprised or anything. So I feel almost the same way about these kinds of podcasts. Is I kind of like that that I met James before you know before listening to Thick Radio. I kind of like that I met I met you before I start listening to your podcast. Like, I, I, I don't know. It's like, I feel like I like, I like putting the carriage before the horse. So you're a crazy person. Okay. Oh, what 
watch your tongue for a second there, mate. <laughs> I feel like Nat and I have a nice contrast because we're very different people. But then some things just come out of his mouth and I'm like, holy shit, are we the same person? I am also a spoiler person. I fucking love, I will always know what happens in a TV show. Well, now I'm outnumbered. Now I'm the crazy one. <laughs> I, okay, I like predictability. And then another thing with me to just justify this is I have Asperger's. Like we, people on the spectrum, we like predictability. We like routine. We like knowing what we're getting into. Like surprises aren't really that fun for us. My husband got the shits at me once. Love you, honey. Because we, when we watch American Horror Story, that's one thing I always look up before the episode is the excuse I give is because I want to look for the, I want to know if there's gore coming on because I hate gore. And it is true. But I also like to know what's happening. Like as soon as that information's available, like did someone die? Did this happen? Did that happen? And I think it was the cult finale. He wouldn't watch it for with me for about a month because I looked it up. <laughs> Now I'm realizing what it really is. It's just that I'm an asshole because I love surprises, but I also really love like if a show's predictable, I'm like, oh, well, that's what's going to happen. I like to feel like a superior, like I like to feel like a smart person because I'm like, oh, I know what's going on here. Oh, I bet that's going to happen when actually that's just, that's just a bit sad, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I mean, cause it's like one thing with me is I feel like I'm very cynical for like any new, any new movies, TV shows, anything that come out. I'm very cynical. I feel like most of it is shit. Like, it's like, I, I don't want to be one of those people, but I kind of feel that way about it. So it's like, like, because I'm also like a big horror fan. For certain horror movies, I don't really like going to the theaters anymore. Like, I mean, COVID kind of killed a lot of theaters, but like, I, I don't know. I just lost interest in doing that. And with a lot of movies is, I like seeing, okay, what's the horror community saying about this? Especially like once the movie aged a few years, are people still talking about it? Is it a must see? Is it, you know, this, that, or the other thing and then just judging by what people say about it is okay I might trust it enough to just go and buy the movie and just watch it like you know never have seen you know I've never seen it before but I trust that it's probably a good movie based on what everyone's saying about it and then you know and then I could just kind of you know buy it and watch it and it's like okay yeah it's like I don't regret this expense because you know this seemed pretty good yeah that's fair yeah I hate when people glorify something that's new just because it's new like I feel like there are so many movies that like were like summer blockbusters or whatever and people loved it and everything like that and I watch it and I'm like this is garbage like why does anybody like this and everyone's like oh you're the only person to say anything bad about it and then a year goes by and everyone forgot about it because it was shitty but with the spoilers one of our favorite shows was The Good Place there was one episode I went into actually at the beginning I didn't really know what was going on because I went into thinking it was a just a random sitcom I didn't expect there to be heavy plot points and I actually spoiled a huge plot point because I was like oh I'll see how if the show's still going how the ratings are going didn't think there'd really be anything to spoil because I'm like oh it's just a sitcom and I spoiled something and by that point I was like okay cool well I want to know what happens now and once I started getting into it there was one episode I didn't I watched without knowing what was going to happen and I really didn't enjoy that episode because I was just waiting for like something to go wrong I'm like there's got to be more to it and there wasn't more to it so I have to have my spoilers if it's something I'm really invested in I just like surprises I don't Brandon knows if I if he threw a surprise party for me, I would fucking divorce him. Okay, I probably would divorce him, but <laughs> nah. How do you feel about surprise parties now? Yeah, I don't know about specifically surprise parties, but just 
just surprises in general. Like, it's like, I mean, last weekend, my boyfriend and I did kind of have a little bit of, I feel like the closest thing that we've had to a fight, just because of like, you know, I don't know, like last Sunday, like it went from being, oh, it's such an open whatever day that we're just going to be chill and whatever. And, you know, just kind of we'll have freedom to do whatever to a day that became very busy for both of us and just packed with so much shit and everything. And he basically didn't tell me that until like the Saturday night when we were out drinking and everything. And in a way that kind of just stressed me out of like, okay, like now, you know, I was expecting this kind of Sunday. And then now I know it's not necessarily going to be that. And now I have to process this, but then I'm also under the influence. And it's, you know, it was just, it, it, it was just like a bunch of different things that it's just like, okay, like I kind of wish you would have at least told me this when we were sober or something like, you know, I wish I could have processed it when I was sober and then gotten drunk and whatever. And, and, you know, and I would have dealt with it, but yeah. Good intentions on his behalf, but I can see why you'd be pissed off because if you're expecting to be out of edge and then it's sprung on you at the last minute, now that's fucked. Yeah. And then, I mean, and it's something that it's like, is he somebody who doesn't like, he specifically doesn't like routine and things like that. And, you know, is kind of spontaneous, especially when he does things with, with his friends. Like whenever he does things with me, it's always a little bit more premeditated, but his friends are very spur of the moment, don't really make plans or anything like that. And it's like, you know, I'm also kind of trying to accommodate him with that. But yeah, it's like, th- this was the first time that it like didn't go as well as it normally does. But that happens. Every relationship has their little tiffs over silly stuff or things that might not be that silly, but can easily be resolved. <laughs> not necessarily a surprise party. And then also kind of a side tangent. Uh, I think I told you about like with my previous relationship, my ex threw a crazy ass birthday party for his cat. Um, and it was at the last minute. Like it was something he kind of talked about jokingly. And then I didn't know he was serious until I fucking came home from work and there was pink streamers and a banner over the window and all this shit going on. And it was like a whole ass thing. And it's like, I always compare myself to, to Sally Field at the beginning of Mrs. Doubtfire when she comes home and there's fucking a petting zoo inside the house and everything. <laughs> See, I would love someone to throw me a surprise party, but you'd, oh, you'd hate this. My partner has done before where he's been like, because he knows I like surprises. I hate making decisions. But he was like, oh, you'll need to pack a bag and bring a passport. And that's all I knew. I mean, I think I'd be okay with that, except that I don't have a passport. It's more just the other people, like surprises involving other people. Yeah, other people. (laughs) Well, I mean, I feel like that's just the clown in you. Like, I feel like that's very party oriented, very fun, very spontaneous spontaneous like all that just reads like very clown to me so it kind of makes sense oh oh yeah and then also just kind of getting back to the cat birthday party thing um because i i I think we recorded an episode in our first season that day um i i think i might have told you what was happening but yeah like yeah it sounds vaguely familiar i don't know there were a lot of my exes are twat stories from you so (laughs) i will try and get into your podcast as well i did just binge all of our podcast and now my earphones have disappeared. This is the second pair of earphones I've ruined in like a year because the last one, it was the day I badly rolled my ankle and I had to write it into the video I was filming because it was that bad. (laughs) Because it was really wet weather and I was walking through this field and I could see it was all like muddy. I'm like, okay, I'll be really careful. Being careful, I took one step and my ankle just went from under me. Ow. But I'd left my earphones in my pocket.
pocket. Managed to somehow, because they're the wireless ones, they have sensors on them, and I'd managed to butt dial Brandon's grandfather while doing it. But anyway, the headphones went through the wash, earphones went through the wash, and then when we were filming the video, so I wrote it in that I was a trespasser who got caught in a bear trap, but I also played the security guard. So I was on the phone, and I fucking butt dialed Brandon's grandfather again. Oh, it wasn't a butt dial, it was in my head. And we got it on tape too. Fuck, he's gonna call your grandfather again. Oh my god! Oh my god. <laughs> How did you do that? And then it cuts to me, like, furiously typing, like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. But the second pair of earphones, I'm thinking maybe I've taken them out, sat them on the freezer, and now they've been jerry-fired. Ferrets love to steal stuff. So I think it's in his little treasure chest, wherever that is. But when I find my earphones, I will listen to your podcast (laughs) and Thick Radio. Hi, James. (laughs) <laughs> it's like well no i've always known that about like yeah like about like for some reason ferrets just like collecting things like it's like i i, I don't know if they have any connection with the things they steal they just like stealing things kleptos well the term ferret is is it latin it's something for little thief <laughs> So some of us feel uncomfortable when innocently watching a movie that has a man bound and gagged. So in a similar vein, how do you feel about circuses or birthday parties where there might be a clown in attendance? So I think a little bit of background for that is on the podcast, we talk about when we see a quote unquote scene of interest where like there's bondage in it and we're like watching it with like family or friends that aren't kinky or something like that. And it like kind of turns us on, but we're also like, Ugh, like, you know, you can't really, you know, you can't really enjoy it because because you're in a non-kinky, non-sexual setting. Has that happened with you before or anything? Oh, yeah. For sure. I mean, clowns are my number one kink and always have been. So, you know, like all my fantasies involve circus clowns. So, yeah, I've definitely found, I mean, it depends on the clown and the situation. You know, sometimes it's just not really for me, but circuses aren't really my vibe, funnily enough. But I think that's because of that inherent, like, uncomfortability. Also, I'm not really attending birthday parties where there are clowns. (laughs) But yeah, in general, no, no, I totally know what you mean. Like, I definitely feel uncomfortable. But context is key because so I used to be an actor and I've done clowning workshops and when the situation is just not sexual, it's it's not arousing. Like, yeah, it's a bit uncomfortable, but it's the thing I was afraid it would be is at all arousing and it's not. It's anything but because you're just kind of sweating like this makes me feel weird. I don't want to be here. <laughs> this is not for this. I, I say that because plenty of pro clowns are kinky and it's a separate thing from, you know, performing and clowning around in a kinky context are, are totally different things. So it just isn't at all sexual. But yeah, yeah, I totally get that. The ick. Would you find like a circus setting like like, I don't know, is it like overstimulating or or is it just like that? Like, it's like, okay, like this is all kind of happening, but it's not for a kink context. So I'm just sort of not as interested in it. Yeah, I'm just, I'm kind of put off by it really, if it's not. Actually somebody like a, a clown kingster actually invited me to the circus recently. And I was just like, no, even that just, we're surrounded by like families. You know what I mean? It's like, there's just nothing about it that's interests me in that. Now that you mention it, clowns at birthday parties just aren't really a thing anymore. Clowns are kind of, and I'm sorry to say this, but they're seen as like a bit creepy and a bit outdated, I guess, rather than a form of entertainment, which is a shame. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Like, I think the art of it, the theatrical side of it, 
of it, you know, still exists and flourishes in its own niche, but definitely, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of circus clowns or party, like birthday party performers have gone down the route of being less, if they are clowns, it's very minimal makeup, do you know what I mean? They're, they're kind of, they make themselves look more just like magicians or, or whatever, because the image that we have in our heads of that traditional clown look is now, you'd associate that with a horror film more than anything, right? Or Halloween. Yeah, well, I wonder if the media has had an effect on that less in the sense of movies like it and things where there's creepy clowns and more so because say 50 years ago there wasn't all this like tv social media internet so people would rely on that as a source of entertainment whereas now they have so many different options that clowns are just almost obsolete in forms of birthday parties obviously there's circuses and when you go to a circus that's part of the appeal yeah i mean it like any art form it's like it has its place but it's the kind of thing that is so shrouded in tradition it kind of makes me think of like to put it in a kink context it's kind of like leathermen there are some old stuck in their ways leathermen who will say that you know xyz has to be done this way and that's the only way and that kind of thing and it's just like the sort of traditional clown when you think about it is kind of like that where it's like this just doesn't make sense outside of its context it's like wh- who came up with that look and why would why why so much stuff you know but yeah I also kind of like for me in America there was the uh, Ringling Brothers Circus and those clowns were cool like those were hot clowns because they were like cool clowns and that's kind of my vibe my aesthetic okay yeah it's like so that's kind of something I've been wanting to ask so it's like I don't know so what makes like a like a hot or sexy clown to you to be honest I think it's the willingness to be silly it's the allowing yourself to be goofy and there's a confidence in that that's like yeah you can laugh at me I don't even care you can't embarrass me and then the nose is absolutely my favorite part like the big red nose especially if it honks that is like really hot to me and then yeah I guess kind of like the silly outfit especially big shoes but it can kind of be anything it's more what the person is giving them and what they're all about yeah well and then see you saying that it like okay because I've always felt like I've had okay like I don't do stand-up comedy I don't do anything like that but I've always had like I feel like I've had a kind of almost connection or something like that with comedians with just like that perspective of people and then I'm also just I also find myself attracted to a lot of male comedians like it's and then I feel like part of it is just kind of that of like the willing the willingness to like you know to be like a funny person to kind of be the heel of something to you know to kind of just do that and because it's like I don't know there's there's a vulnerability to it and then there's also a little bit of a power to it totally totally there's a power to like commanding the attention of making people laugh but then there is something so endearing it is vulnerability it's like being ridiculous and goofy is just so attractive to me because it's like yeah it puts you at ease and I think that's true for a lot of people it's like you can laugh me to the bedroom you know like you entertain me and so I like you and we get on and you're fun and so I think I just sort of translated that into that's a clown you know yeah because it's like I mean the other thing it's like I always find it very rewarding when I can make people laugh especially like certain people like if it's somebody I'm attracted to if it's somebody I just kind of like or something like if I could make them laugh it's like just very yeah it's like it's like I get like almost like an endorphin from it yeah yeah well because also like laughter is the universal language it's like it's we've clearly evolved it for the sociability and so it is outside of kink like you know such a wonderful way of bringing people together but then also kink can be anything so I love bringing that into the bedroom I you know if I'm playing that 
we're going to laugh because it's going to be silly. That's good. I mean, I'm not big on stupid comedy, but we all love a bit of comedy. An element of silliness is good, but not too much. There's a very fine line. And then for queer people or any kind of minorities, I feel like a lot of us are scared of comedy and comedians and everything. Like, I know so many gay people that, like, they don't like stand-up comedy at all. And then especially if it's, like, a straight man, like, doing comedy. Yeah, it's like, because I feel like so many of us are, like, triggered by that of, like, okay, this person's probably going to be homophobic or racist or something. And I just don't even want to deal with that. Like, I don't don't even want to open that door. Yeah. I think it's getting better, though. It's not as bad as it used to be. Or at least... it seems like it's not as bad as it used to be because you have all these assholes being like, oh, you can't make a joke anymore. It's like, no, you just can't make homophobic or racist jokes. Get out of here. Yeah, I think it is. The comedy scene is definitely getting better in a lot of places. And it's less that, like, it's going to be the school bully doing it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. So would you like to give us a bit more information about the ABDL? Yeah, my ABDL side. Like I said, it, it came really late for me. So now I love it, but it used to be something that I, I totally didn't enjoy and so it was that humiliation to infantilization pipeline for me because I don't really have like a I don't really have like a diaper fetish and also for me it's not that thing that I was saying about like this personal self-expression I just want to be forced to wear a diaper and get laughed at you know so actually I rarely wear it's less so that it's like a comforting thing for me to do it's more that it's like fun and humiliating and silly so for me it's actually very social Um, a lot of people like to you know pad up and just kind of piss themselves but it took me a long time to get into even like wedding myself I just like the goofy aesthetic like haha you're waddling now and everyone can see it and then eventually I realized that it is quite pleasurable to pee in it because it swells and it gets warm and it's just easier than going to the bathroom and also then it makes it even more embarrassing because it's bigger and it's more noticeable and it makes you waddle and that kind of thing so yeah I, I mostly do it at events but again I'm a brat so I normally will sort of like show up and and everyone else is padded and I, I'll, I'll be like, Haha, you're all in baby pants, I'm in big boy pants. And then eventually either the daddiest daddy comes along and fireman lifts me to the changing table or, you know, a bunch of my friends pin me down and force a diaper on me. And then it's like, ha ha, you're one of us now. <laughs> That's kind of where I exist in that. Like for me, it's all very like fun and silly and stupid. Not where I thought you were going when you said you're a brat. I just had this bit of you ripping your nappy off and fucking <laughs> hanging it at someone like a toddler. No. No. Well, because also I don't really do the regression element so much. Like I'll sort of behave more like a kid, but just because there's the freedom to do it. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of, it's the same as what I do if I'm a pup or I'm a clown. It's like, oh, I just get to run around and shoot you with a Nerf gun. Cool. I'm more like a preteen who's just kind of been forced to wear the embarrassing diapers. But yeah, my bratty side is definitely more like, "Eh, I'm going to beat you at Mario Kart rather than like, I'm going (laughs) to rev my sucking. <laughs> Sorry, I just want to clarify. I don't mean you would act like a toddler. I just mean that would be similar to what a toddler would do. I'm not saying you're pretending to be a toddler because that kind of toes a territory I don't want to cross or discuss. Yeah, I mean, that is also fine, but it's it's not my vibe. It's like, yeah, like, because I feel like for each kink, you know, they have their own sort of etiquette of like, you know, things that are a little bit more acceptable and things that are unacceptable and things like that. And I don't know. It's like, it, it's like, I mean, you describing that, I'm like, I, yeah, it's like, I don't know like I I can kind of understand the appeal of 
how, you know, the way you describe that you behave, like when you're put in a diaper of like, it's like, you're just kind of like stewing and like the humiliation of that, of like, you know, that you've been got and you're just sort of, you know, you're just sort of like dealing with it and everything. And I mean, I'd assume that you like being put in your place in that way of like being put into a diaper. And so it's like, you don't hate it. So you're not going to rip it off and everything, but you're also just going to sit there and kind of take that sort of humiliation, which is, I mean, that's something that in kink that I find really attractive. Like I like guys that are like willing, I think kind of going back to the comedians type of thing of like, I feel like that sort of willingness to be humiliated of putting yourself out there. Like that's the vulnerability we were talking about of just sort of putting yourself out there and then just kind of dealing with the humiliation and not just running to the bathroom and crying and like not wanting anyone to see you or anything. Yeah, totally. Totally. That's exactly what it is. And I really love to play with arousal. So like the fact that you actually like it is even more embarrassing. It's like, ha ha, here's a boner. You know what I mean? Like making it even more. And I love to do that with like clowning as well, because you can really kind of obviously in a safe, sane, consensual, you know, fun, we're just playing way, but you can kind of fuck with people's minds because like, oh, this thing that I didn't realize turned me on, but you've combined it with this thing that does turn me on. And now every time that I have the clown shoes on, I'm going to come. And like, that's really fun to do because you can really kind of get in there. But I do think there is something to kink, which is about like working out stuff. And so just like, like when I was a kid, I was a really shy kid. And the idea of being laughed at and humiliated or made fun of was mortifying. And I didn't know how to sort of clap back to that. I didn't have the confidence. And so I think that type of play actually really lets me play that out in a safe way. Yeah, you're basically stealing your power back. Yeah. I know you're into bondage as well, but I guess the diapers are more so. So the diaper, I guess, becomes your version of a gag because those of us who like to be tight and gagged, it's humiliating if you're like the only one in a room tight and gagged, but you love that. Oh, yeah. Oh, and also ABDL gear, like you can have a big dummy, which is essentially just what a gag is, but that you can strap on and that's like even double because it's like, oh, you're the only one who's gagged and actually it looks like a, you know, a giant baby dummy. How embarrassing for you and also a lot of people do actual like bondage and stuff with people put diapers on your head and and that kind of thing but yeah that side of it like less so my thing my side is more the humiliation angle but then again for some people it is also more about the actual kind of age regression thing where it's like they get to turn their brain off and just be in their little space and so it's also for a lot of people less or entirely like not sexual and just about you know a headspace and and a calm which is also and, and valid. But yeah, actually, someone was tweeting about this today where they were like, sometimes I feel a bit gross because I'm actually really into like the humiliating, su- you know, I want to get fucked in a diaper and laughed at. And some people make me feel like that's not how you're quote unquote supposed to do it. And I feel kind of gross. And I was like, that's not gross. No one's version of this weird thing we're already doing. No one's version of that is more or less weird. Like it's all valid. Yeah. Are you, are you hurting anyone? Are you hurting yourself? No. Yeah, totally. And I do think like, as you touched on, kink faces so much crap and misconceptions and ABDL faces, I think some of the worst because there's associations with childish things. And so closed-minded bigots who aren't going to spend the five seconds it takes to Google and realize, oh, that's not a connection. That's not true. This is consenting adults only. Play only consists of acts that we do with other consenting adults. But yeah, I guess for clowning, it's like most people just haven't heard of clowning in the bedroom and clowns are people ego clowns are kinky too versus like yeah the abdl community faces are 
lot of really, really fiery bullshit and is really unfortunate. The thing I was curious about is the relieving yourself part, because I wasn't sure if you did or it's more just the nappy is for show. But I was also thinking, like, at what point is it for fun and what point is it out of necessity? Because, for example, if you're tied up, then you aren't going to have access to a toilet. Oh, yeah, which is so much more fun. I love doing scenes where you'll be bound and padded and uh, let's say force bottle fed or something and then tickled until you pee because, oh, you're a big boy. Oh, okay, well, then you can hold it. Oh, you can't hold it. Oh, well, then I guess we have to keep you in these. You know, like there's a real there's a real humiliation that you can do in just like getting someone to the point where they where they have to because you just can't hold it in anymore. And then it's like, oh, I guess you needed it. I mean, I'm glad you love it, but I'm just thinking of if I was in that situation. No, not for me. <laughs> oh, what, the wedding yourself? Yeah, wedding yourself. I wouldn't, if push came to shove, I would piss in a bucket because, hey, when you got to go, you got to go sometimes. Yeah. I wouldn't do it. No shade to anyone who does. But also the thought of being forced to drink and drink, like I drink a sip of water and I need to pee five minutes <laughs> later. So the thought yep. of all that, like, oh, no, thank you. <laughs> but that's a personal problem. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I didn't like the idea for ages, but obviously they're designed to absorb. So actually it's... It's not, and I really don't like wet, which I know sounds kind of silly because I do like pies and piss and stuff, but yeah, it's I don't like sort of wet, gooey, sticky sensations. This is why I didn't use lube for years. And the, actually, the diaper doesn't feel like that because it just it just absorbs it, so it's just like a sort of warm pillow. Which the, after I felt that, I was like, oh, okay, so this isn't actually like this is actually fine. So you don't you didn't use lube sexually or just for masturbating? I have never used lube masturbating because that just I wouldn't get enough purchase. The slippery is too slippery. Yeah, no, I didn't. I used to just I used to just bottom. Yeah, when I was younger. How? I don't know. I was hoping you meant just masturbating. I, I don't use it for masturbating either. I mean, I think it's different with cut and uncut. I'm uncut, so I have the hood to go back and forth. Yeah, but I, I think if you're cut, you do sometimes need it. Yeah. I, yeah, I have injured myself like masturbating because I do a lot of friction around just the base of the head. And so I damage the banjo string on a semi-regular basis, but maybe I should. Well, no, I don't. I, yeah, I don't like gooey things. I mean, I can just about tolerate like a decent amount of lube to make it an easier process, but I used to just not. Fair enough. Okay, so you definitely don't like gunge then. Yeah, I know so many people who are into gunge and I could get better behind this is the thing i'll take a pie to the face because that's like a pillowy you know the, the mess isn't so bad especially because i only use shaving foam i used whipped cream once and that stuff stinks it gets in places and it goes off and it stinks but yeah gunge also it's got to be warm otherwise it's just going to be horrible and yeah i mean i'll give it a go but yeah and something else i just kind of wanted to mention is like i don't think i would like to be in a diaper and um and tickled until I, until I piss myself but I don't know in a weird way when you're describing that it's like I do see a little bit of like an odd like release type of thing like with that like almost like you know like if you're tied up and jacked off of like the work it takes to hit all your buttons to get you off and then there's some kind of a release I almost see a similar sensation with that yeah absolutely I can acknowledge it's not for me but I can acknowledge why people would like it yeah and then it's also like a there's a loss of control thing where it's like you're 
giving up, you know, it's the power play thing. It's like, it's the same as, you know, you're being milked and then you come, it's like you've been defeated. That kind of thing is, yeah, that's fun. So similar to how some kinksters might secretly wear a cock cage or a tape gag underneath a mask, uh, do you enjoy secretly wearing a, a nappy during non-kinky activities? Yeah, no. I've only really done it with other people. So I've done it before where like I've gone out for dinner with other ABDLs and, you know, we've come from an event or whatever it was where um, we've been padded. And when I first started doing it, you know, someone daring me to, you know, to to wear out, I did it. But it's just not, the thing itself is not is not so interesting. And also it's not a source of like comfort or anything like that. So I'm not, I'm not really fussed about it. I did, however, wear one to the cinema because... Because I figured I, I always need to pee and I, I, I didn't want to have to get up. And this was in Germany and I was taking myself to the cinema and I thought this was going to be such a nice treat and I won't have to get up to go pee. And I flooded the damn thing and then sat down on the U-Bahn. And when I got off, it was like, yeah, it was leaking down and it was like sagging. And I just was beat red. I could tell that people could tell. And I had to walk all the way to the cinema and then went straight to the toilet. And I brought another other one so i changed into that and was and the bin was tiny as well so i was like trying to stuff it in this bin and hoping that no one noticed and waiting to make sure no one was in the toilet and just so like mortifying and embarrassing and i'm like this is such a stupid idea i don't even like i don't even like this sexually <laughs> like this isn't even fun for me and then changed put the other one on because i was like i'm definitely gonna pee in the movie didn't pee in the movie <laughs> well you know for now <laughs> i know for now that like don't bother because <laughs> yeah so no like something on that side Subject that I, I want to bring up. Uh, Dan Harmon, uh, the guy that made uh, Rick and Morty and Community and like those things like that. Okay, well, first of all, he is kind of kinky. Like he definitely has a bit of like a foot and pantyhose fetish. And um, I think also kind of like a doll and mannequin kind of fetish. But I don't think there was anything kinky behind this. But I know on his, because he had his podcast Harmon Town, which has, which has ended a few years ago. But like I remember for an episode because they were record their podcast live he kind of had an obsession with wearing a diaper like during that and he really wanted to piss himself in it and like i don't know why he, like it was like a curiosity type of thing or something like he just wanted to get drunk and piss himself like in his diaper and yeah it's like it, and then i just remember finding that like really interesting like listening to that episode like when the episode when they were recording when he was wearing it and i i don't remember i don't remember if he did piss himself or not but like i don't know he, he it was like a thing that he's been obsessed with for a while and then he finally did it and i don't think he liked it as much as he thought he would but he still just tried it and yeah like yay for trying new things <laughs> well there's a yeah i mean it's practical like given those guys and their humor i would imagine that would just be for laughs i don't think there would be anything kinky about it but hey you never know yeah i don't know i did notice in rick and morty there was a scene where they were like in a fetish dungeon and there was a clown in the background and i was like yes representation <laughs> Okay, well, like, and then in, in another episode when they bring, I, I don't know, I forgot what's hap what, which episode it was or what was happening, but they they reference something about um, is it like the like the mannequin leg that that we found in Dad's closet that we don't talk about or 
something like that, which there's a similar kind of joke in community. And yeah, in the podcast, in the Harmontown podcast, Dan Harmon does talk about how he has like a specific fetish for that, for like mannequin legs and things like that. If it exists, it's a kink. Yeah, good for him. What would you say are the most common misconceptions you come across with your fetishes? I mean, there's the very like obvious and unfortunate ones with ABDL, but again, it's not something I, you know, personally really have to deal with much. It's more, I'll see shit like that online. But again, you see that shit online and it's, you'll see the same people commenting a lot of other bigoted, homophobic, transphobic, kinkphobic bullshit. And I guess because clowning is still really niche, it's, I haven't really had any misconceptions. The only thing is that people have assumed that I would try and freak people out. Like I've been at events where people were like, oh, you're not going to like dress as a clown and run around scaring people, are you? And I'm like, no, that's not at all what I'm about. And also that's like, some people are afraid of clowns, but also we're not here to kink shame. They're not here to yuck my yum. If it's not for them, they're just going to look away. What would be crossing a line is if I go around bothering people who don't want to be bothered. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's really the only thing that I can think. Yeah. Okay. I mean, because it's like people are going to, people are going to stigmatize anything sexual that's like abnormal. And then especially like clowns are already like people already have their views and perceptions of whatever of clowns. It's like, I loved seeing like an interview with Stephen King, like talking about like, oh, like a lot of clowns hate you because you ruined clowns for them or something. And he's like, people were already scared of clowns by the time I wrote it. It was why he wrote it. He was like, that's a scary thing. <laughs> um, so tell us about some of your uh, most memorable kinky moments. Uh, this can be your experiences with Impact, Chastity, or some of the events you've attended. Well, the Impact one, that was huge because that was also my first events. And that was when I realized I wanted to be I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew that I wanted to be in this world 24-7. Like what I was doing wasn't making me happy. This made me happy. I actually really cared about this. So that day I, I'd started doing my art like freelance, but I quit my job as soon as I got back and was like, okay, now I have to find a job <laughs> in kink. And yeah, so then I I just I was looking around at different companies and trying to think what I could do. And I found Playtime and I thought I have a lot of skills and I have a lot to offer, but I don't know what role I would take and I'm not quite sure what I want to do but I want to do something and this is what I want to do so I actually sent them a video and they after that were like we love your video we would love to interview you I had an interview and then they were like so we really love everything you're about we don't know where to put you but we're gonna find something for you and then I started out as the they had an audio engineer for one of their other podcasts who things didn't work out with so I just kind of got in on the ground floor there and I moved on my first chastity experience was also insane uh that was earlier this year. So chastity was like a hard limit, like big, big fear of mine. Similar to what you were talking about earlier in that, like I, I had someone who just really put me off it. They tried to like force it on me. And I was like, no, this is something I told you I'm not into. I'm kind of squeamish about it. The idea of a mechanism down there just makes me uncomfortable. One of my earliest memories is my mom getting my dick caught in a zip when I was a kid. So like really just anything down there, I'm like, Ugh. anyway, I was in Berlin at this event and this guy I starts sort of joking about how because I was in my puppy gear and he was like oh you know well if you're a, if you're a good boy you know what happens to good boys right good boys get fixed and at first it's kind of like a joke and I'm like uh, <laughs> I don't know don't know about that but by the end of the night I was like good boys get fixed and so I was like how could we incorporate that into a scene I would love to do a scene where like puppy goes to the vet so the next time I was at this event we decided to coordinate that we would take puppy to the vet and puppy's getting caged and that's how puppy's gonna get fixed and it was gonna be like a big 
big fear play scene because I thought, well, I love doing things in front of crowds and with people that I trust and get on with. And this is like my favorite place in the world. So if anywhere is going to be the place that I get over this fear, it's going to be here. So set it all up and organize it and everything. And I don't want to know like when it's happening because I'm still really scared of the idea. And I can kind of see like there's a couple pups appearing and they're kind of surrounding me. And I'm like, oh, oh, it's happening now, isn't it? And they jump me and then they put paws on me and collar and leash me. And then they drag me around the whole club with a shame procession, bells and all. Uh, anyone who wants to, you know, come watch the puppy get fixed. So then they've set up a little area and they put me on the table and they're all pinning me down. And I'd also floated the idea that like, I've never tried CBT. So, you know, while, while we're at it, oh my God, that's the worst pain ever. So that was like very intense. I got my balls tortured and I got tickled and yeah. And then they, then they put the cage on me and it was really intense. Like it was so scary and I was freaking out and it was in front of a whole crowd. But then once it was done and once the thing was on and you know, we had aftercare cuddle time after I was like, Oh, this is fine. And then just like that, I was like, okay, I could do this. Wore it for a few hours. Actually the, the guy kept the key and I had to get it off him towards the end of the night. I was like, no, no, no you have to give me the key because I'm going to leave here forgetting or you're going to leave before I do. And then I'm going to be stuck like this. Yeah. I took it off before bed and it was fine. Yeah. I've had some very, very cool experiences. I was talking about my, that friend of mine, Pup Cassie. He was the first kinkster that I ever met and yeah, really, really changed my life. That and then there's two others I would shout out. So all pups, Jace um, and Cassie were like the first people that I made friends with. And then this event at Berlin where I got spanked for the first time um, is where I met Pinchy, who is the pup that delivered my spanking. And yeah, meeting those people for the first time and having those experiences was like insane. Wow. I don't know much about pup play. So it's like there's so many role play elements that I just wouldn't consider. And um, one that I recently heard about is for, you know, one of the kink events in Chicago. It might have been IML or MIR. Um, but like a few years ago that like there was a pup mosh, like uh, most of these usually have like a pup mosh. And then during it, like a guy dressed as a mailman, like went into the pup mosh. And yeah, it's like so that was like an instant trigger for like all the pups to like attack him and like they ripped his clothes off and everything and because when I was hearing the story I was just like why a mailman and then I, I had to think about it for a minute and it's like oh okay yeah like like I get it and I just note all the tapes the glimmer in Barney's eyes as you said that and like to not it was so cute it was an excited little puppy I love that that was amazing <laughs> Yeah, I I really like the <laughs> the mailman. I saw a really cool scene where the pups pounce on the mailman and take his clothes off, but then it ended with them putting a hood on him and then he became a pup and I was like, that's a cool twist. Yeah. It's transformation like what we we're talking about. Yeah, throwing in some like transformation element. Actually, so speaking of, I was just in Chicago for my first fetish convention ever, which was cool just thinking of like memorable experiences. Last year, I also had my first Folsom and my first Pride. So first Pride, I was marching with Recon and that was like the coolest experience. But then being at Folsom in, in Berlin and seeing like just being in the middle of, of that and just seeing everything around you was like, that was so fucking cool. Yeah, they sounded like awesome experiences. Yeah. And this is all in the space of like yeah, a couple of years. That's great. What next? What are you going to do next? I don't know. <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> oh, don't be scared. I'm sure whatever you do, it'll be great. I mean, yeah. 
yeah, it's like, so you talked about your podcast and stuff like that. So can you tell us a little bit more about uh, your fetish artwork? Yes. Yeah, so I will draw anything you desire in pretty much any style you want. You can contact me on Twitter or um, you can email me at mst.artshop at gmail.com. Yeah, like art, drawing is just something I always did. And I never really considered that I could combine my passions. I didn't used to really draw much of my fantasies. And then when I started doing that, I was like, wait, but like I could get paid <laughs> to do this. And I love because people will see the stuff that I do, which is normally in kind of a cartoony style because I, you know, I want it to look sort of recognizable and uniform. But people just started being like, oh, you do weird stuff. Cool. Could you make me, you know, a giant frog with a huge dick and tits that blows up like a blueberry? And I was like, yeah. You know, can you sh- draw me turning into a donkey? Uh, and I'm also wearing a diaper. And could you somehow make it look like my brain is leaving me and I'm becoming stupid? Yeah, super cool. So yeah, really I've gotten to do some really, really, really cool projects. At the moment, I'm working on a lot. So I'm slowing down the commissions for now. I'm not taking as much as I normally do. But when I get back to it, yeah, I absolutely love drawing people's weird, wacky fantasies that can't happen in real life. I mean, I feel like I said this on the podcast podcast several times before but it's like i feel like there is like a very common pipeline between like kink and the some kind of content creation like specifically like making fantasies come to life in one way or another or something like i mean because it's like a lot of kinksters are creative a lot of you know a lot of kinksters like kind of doing that and because i i also like drawing i like doing i don't know it's like i don't think it's like photorealistic necessarily but it's like i really like doing um like portraits and like specifically like especially Especially like bondage portraits of you know like things like that it's odd how it kind of turns me on in a way like it's not like necessarily a fetish thing for me but to draw something like that you need to pay attention to so many details and then you know so to have to study like a bondage image or something like that that much to like articulate it on a piece of paper or something like I don't know there's just really something about that yeah like there's just something I really like about that drawing bondage is hard it looks so good but it is so hard yeah i've had a few people that i talked to say like it's the gags as well that are just the fucking hardest but i think it's tape gags that are hardest is that right Nat? i don't know it's like I, I, that's that's interesting because it's like one thing that's difficult are gags that involved like okay well because i like stuff gags and to draw like a stuff gag like on somebody because of what a stuff what stuffing does to a face it like lowers the chin and jaw it kind of adds a little bit of stress to the cheeks and the eyes and everything so it's easy for to fuck that up I, I don't know about tape gags necessarily I, I would assume tape gags are easy because they're smooth like it's just like a smooth like simple kind of sur- surface or something but I don't know it's like I, I've had most trouble with like yeah like ball gags like any kind of stuff gags like anything sort of like that that like distorts the face in a certain way but I feel like I'm good at it because I like that so much and I like I love what stuff gags do to a guy's face. And so I think I like focusing on that a lot. So, but yeah, it's like, I mean, I feel like that's pretty difficult to do. Maybe I'm misremembering. Well, it depends on the style as well, because if you're doing more of a cartoony thing, like it might be that you're doing a stuff gag, but then you can draw what's going 
on inside the mouth. But then if you're doing tape, depending on if you want to make it, you know, there's a reflection shining off of it, or if you're doing something more photorealistic, it just, yeah, I think it depends on the style. For me, it's like working out the ropes and making sure they would actually suspend someone in like a bondage scene. That is making sure that like, because, you know, for me, like I'm, I'm not a rigger. So I have to look at bondage photos and make sure that I'm drawing the ties correctly. Props to you for that attention to detail. Well, because otherwise they're like, oh, that wouldn't work. Yeah. <laughs> well, like one, one of the most complex things, like which I'm actually kind of a, like, it's a position that I've been kind of obsessed with. I haven't done it much on anybody um, because I went through a phase where I was finding old pictures of Betty Page tied up and I was recreating them, but with men like tied up like that. And um, the most complex position was... I, I always thought it was a pig tie, but then um, I recently saw that I guess it's apparently called the jackknife tie, but basically all like your arms and legs are tied together. Like everything is just kind of tied like that. And I mean, that was just so difficult just to get the way the, the way a man's body would look in that position was kind of difficult to sort of articulate. And then also just the details, because in the Betty Page picture, like her legs were very, you know, like secured at like most parts of her legs. And then as well as her arms to her legs and they're like, there was just so many layers of detail that I had to factor into and I mean it was a lot of fun for me to do but yeah like I that was a challenge for me it's mostly backgrounds I I really like character drawings but doing the backgrounds is because in my own fantasies like if I'm drawing something for myself which is rare these days but I'm not thinking too much about that but when people commission me they tend to want like a detailed background and ah that to me is just so it's so much work to do I I actually really love figuring out how to contort body because I like characters and character design, but I just hate drawing surfaces and perspective and stuff like that. And I I did a fun one in a circus that I really enjoy because I got to do, you know, this like carnival background, you know, with like animal cages and it was set backstage sort of in the clown alley. But again, it was just like, uh, I have to draw all of these surfaces and especially doing different textures because you're going to have like, you know, sort of a bouncy castle thing and then you're going to have the surface floor and uh, just yeah yeah it sounds <laughs> exhausting i fuck up a stick figure so <laughs> but yeah it's like yeah back yeah backgrounds i i mean i think that's why i like portraits because usually a portrait is like the focus is the fucking detail of like the face and things like that like you know like well and then i think of it like in portrait tattoos of like if somebody's getting a portrait of a tattoo it's just that and then maybe some kind of shading or something around it but like that's really all you kind of worry about so yeah and some of the things you were saying you've drawn, it reminds me of like the Mad Libs. Spin the wheel, pick three random things. I've actually done a drawing, which this one was just for fun. It was like ringleader at the circus. They've got a victim tied up. What are we going to turn him into? And they just spin the wheel to see like what embarrassing transformation they're going <laughs> to put him through. That actually sounds familiar. That sounds like something from a uh, space pup silver of like one of the cartoons that he does. I don't know. He does a lot of stuff kind of like that. He did the wheel of kinks. Yes. But yeah, I'm going to head to Manchester, so I might be seeing him soon, actually. Oh, cool. Which would be nice, yeah. So, I warned you about this question ahead of time, and it gave you so much anxiety, because you had no idea what the fuck we were on about. Do you prefer donuts or bagels? When you say it like that, that makes so much more sense to me. Bagels, obviously. It's not even a question. I don't like sweet things. Okay, we need to call this season, like, our bagel season, like, because, like, the donuts aren't doing well. <laughs> no, donuts were like kicking ass almost unanimously, and then we've just got bagel, 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 like back to back almost. Yeah, but I mean, you can't beat a you know, cream cheese bagel, smoked salmon cream cheese bagel. 
I want the bagel. You're not the first person to say smoked salmon cream cheese. I can't remember who else has, but I'm pretty sure you're not the first. Well, then clearly we have a winner. Then that is the answer that is correct. Yes, because two people agreeing on something makes it correct for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's real for everybody. Everyone who said donuts is wrong. Hey, we both said donuts. Oh, yeah. Okay, I I prefer donuts. It's like, because with bagels, it has to be, there's a lot of places around here that do bagel sandwiches and like, that's really the only way I've consumed bagels like the last, you know, couple of years of like, if yeah, like it's like, especially by work of my office, like where I work, there is like a place that they have breakfast, like sandwich bagels. And those are pretty good. Yeah, bagels just aren't really a thing here in Australia. Oh, really? Yeah. The first time I've really seen a bagel advertised or made was when McDonald's decided to do a hollandaise bacon and egg bagel. And they were really good. But I think supermarkets might sell them, but like no cafes, shops, really do i just don't remember the last time that i like enjoyed a donut um yeah so do you have any questions for us before we wrap up um just one how would you guys like to appear on the big top oh fuck no Fair enough. Yeah, we'd be down for that. Well, I would. I'm not going to speak for both of us. Yeah, absolutely. Like that. I, I yeah, it's like I would love. You know, I love having other podcasters on our podcast, and yeah, and I, I also like being on other people's podcasts. So well, yeah, I like. I'm so interested in people's experiences, and I want to talk to you guys more about yours because I'm now in a state where I want to explore like deeper submission uh, and heavier bondage, and yeah, I'd love to have you guys on. And thank you so much for having me. No, thank you for joining us. Yeah. So, guys, I guess watch this space. We will eventually be appearing on the big top. Woohoo! <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you for tuning in. That concludes our discussion with Barney, the Muckle Stoner. Thank you again, Barney, for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, we really appreciate it. And uh, we look forward to collaborating with you further. Yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, and uh, you may or may not want to follow me on Twitter at TStoter for however long we still have that hellscape of a platform. Are you going to make a new Instagram at some point? I figure I will. I probably should at this point. I was kind of like begrudgingly holding on to the old <laughs> like trying to get the old one back, but yeah, at this point I'll, I'll, I'll make a new one. If the old one comes online, it's uh, the underscore muckle underscore stota, but yeah, we'll see. I think after about six months they delete the... Delete it, yeah. So you'll be able to get that username back. Nice. Alright guys, until next time, I'm Sammy. And I'm Nat. Have a good one, guys. <laughs>